Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 102 of Midweek Metagame. I'm Harry MTG, only joined by one of my regular co-hosts this week, Gabriel Nassif. Hey, Harry. Hey, everyone. So sadly, while I'm back this week, Pat isn't back this week. I think he has a lot of work uh, to get done and obviously Teddy things, but hopefully he will be back next week like normal. I mean, we're all, well, I say we are all. Pat and I are back at uh, school now, so it's getting a lot harder to get everything to line up. But hopefully we can sort of work towards a more consistent pattern over the next few weeks. Anyways, well, 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 we have some magic to talk about this week. I can't lie, this is probably my most inactive, um, like, I don't know, what do you want to call it, like, season of magic I've ever had. Right now I'm playing one league a week for Card Markets Twitch, so we are going to get into some modern this week. Um, but, you know, I, I, I am struggling a bit to keep keep myself playing, and then obviously towards the end of the episode, Gav's been playing some standard and some historic, It's going to be getting into some arena content there. But as always, before we get into the content, Podcast is brought to you by Card Market. They sponsor the cast. Um, to put it into perspective, it is a online marketplace to buy anything card game related. It doesn't have to be Magic the Gathering. It can be Yu-Gi-Oh, Pokemon, whatever. Go check them out if you want to buy singles, sell singles, buy deck boxes, sleeves, anything. Literally anything you can think of card game related, Card Market has it. So go check them out. They're amazing. And uh, I'm sure Pat will tell you all about how much he loves it next week. But uh, yeah, as well as... If you personally want to support the podcast, Patreon's the best place to do so. Patreon.com slash Midweek Metagame. No pressure to do so, but that is the best place to support us. Just like how we have a new Patreon this week, Geiska, thank you so much for supporting our content. Thanks, Geiska. And hopefully we didn't butcher your name. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, what else? I'm at, That seems to be the intro, if I'm correct. I think it is. So it's time for us to get into some modern content. Um... I guess to kick things off this week, Blue Eye Control has been a big talk of the town, can't lie. I obviously played it on Cardmarker's Twitch uh, yesterday, um, or this Wednesday, I guess, for those not listening to it today. And uh, yeah, I actually thought Blue Eye was pretty good. I mean, for a long time, we have discussed how both Ragavan and Ursus Sag is pretty awkward for Blue Eye Control, especially, um, what is it? Prismatic Ending being your primary removal spell in Blue-White and Supreme Verdict, Dash Ragavan gets around that. Well, I played a list that actually topped to the Modern Challenge. This is the uh, Sunday Modern Challenge, I believe. Benny underscore R came in second place. And one thing that I specifically liked is that they've kind of identified that Unholy Heat isn't really as popular as it used to be at the start of the metagame, and they've gone up on Teferi Hero of Dominarias and uh, four Teferi Time Raveler, which I thought was really good, as well as a card that I think, Gab, you're a huge fan of, Spreading Seas, four of them. Oh, wow, yeah. Yeah, I found myself kind of mana screwing a lot of my opponents, um, as well as Stone Raiding Urza Saga. What I actually found myself doing twice in one league was turn two spreading seas and then turn uh turn four or five Mike Teferi would bounce my spreading seas and then stone rain and Ursa saga which I thought was pretty pretty uh pretty relevant and pretty good um one thing as well three memory deluge the new flashback kind of dig through time card uh that was actually amazing one thing that I kind of observed is that um 
what is it? If we rewind to when Archmage's Charm was printed, we were always draw two, Mystic Sanctuary back, Archmage's Charm, draw two. Whereas now, I feel like Archmage's Charm is stealing or countering. And having a card like Memory Deluge makes you feel way less bad about not drawing two with Archmage's Charm and using it as a counterspell or a steal, which is why I really like this card. As well as you have um, a lot of annoying discard spells from these Luris decks. And the flashback is relevant. I think I flashed it back twice in one league. So that was pretty good. And um, also, I just thought it was it was a pretty decent card from what I thought it would be being four mana in the format. Um, but yeah, have you... I think Wafo Tap has been streaming a lot of Blue White over the past week. Have you been able to watch it? Because I feel like this list is heavily uh, inspired by a lot of Wafo's ideas. No, I haven't been able to to catch his stream. I, I rated him a couple times, and I know he's he's been streaming. And I was joking that he starts streaming blue white control, and you've got a bunch of blue white control that makes top eights in all the events this weekend. There was two modern challenges and a premier event, which was I'm not sure if it was a PTQ or a Mox qualifier. But yeah, the list is uh, is kind of what we've been seeing though for the most part. The the a bit heavier on the solitude, the chalice, the spreading seas. I was uh, you know I was gonna ask you about deluge, but you kind of answered. And it's interesting to me because I've been playing historic, and I I've tried memory delusion blue white, and I felt like the card was a bit too slow. A lot of the good decks in historic are. Mono white aggro or white green aggro was a bunch of tax effect as per Santana and Thalia. And there's a mono red deck. There's decks that don't really let you set up, but you have different tools. And in modern, I guess you have the, the cheaper, better removal and you have solitude to make up for it. You can always deluge into solitude plus a white card and, and kill something to make up for it. So Interesting. Also, I feel like maybe a lot of the good decks in modern right now are in the mid-range zone. These uh, these Omnath piles, lots of Omnath piles. I'm going through the list, anyways. Yeah, I think. Um, well, I think what I noticed with Memory Deluge is it felt more impactful than it was because I utilized um, Teferi's Untap a lot with three Teferi Hero of Dominaria. I felt like it was a lot cheaper most of the time. But like you mentioned as well, having Solitude in the deck was great. But, um, you know, only three copies. And I think that if it is a clunky card, I don't know. It was never clunky for me, and that's the problem. I mean, I only played one league, so it is really hard to judge. But, I mean, it came second here, so it's something must be decent with it. Um, But I think maybe it's also because you have so much uh cheaper... Uh, interaction in modern yeah. right compared to historic so you know i found myself with six mana doing like counter spell plus me- memory deluge it wasn't really like i was always casting on turn four it's typically yeah. a, a later game card well yeah you have portable hole in in historic and it's possible that when i tried memory deluge the rest of my deck was already pretty clunky so i think I, i'm gonna give it a, another shot in uh because when I tried it, I think I had like the Celestis in my deck and I had some four mana fairy. I had an expensive version of the deck, but maybe if you're playing four portable hole, you know, in, in modern, you have four prismatic ending, it could be could be good. I mean, the card's been good in, in, in the many formats. I think it was first time I saw it, I think it was Bill Sive who, who was playing it and who top for the challenge. 
and he was saying the card was just great for him in control mirror matches. So, yeah. Do you play? Do you play anything else, or was that your your one league this week? Um, I've also been playing Hammer Time for like the past three weeks on yeah. card market stuff. So that's been good. But I think um something else that I wanted to mention with Blue White though quickly is that I never thought Kahira was actually going to be relevant in the deck. But something insanely relevant is that Kahira pumps elementals and gives them vigilance. Well, what solitude? Solitude's an elemental. So it came up in my league, Ren and six pluses to four. You know, solitude, pump it, attack Ren and six for four. I've got a, a it's vigilance. I've got a blocker for your dash ragavan. That came up against um, Jun Saga. As well as um, people were spamming my Twitch chat, but apparently Wafo said many times on his stream, you can't build control right now without a Emrakul in your sideboard because there's too much mill. So yeah. that's kind of something as well we've been talking about over the past few weeks is that mill is quite popular in Magic Online. Not saying it's good in Modern, but it's a popular deck choice. Yeah, the the classic Eldrazi tech, it's much worse now that they have the the hideous laughter, but it can still still help you out. I think the matchup is okay. Even if you don't have it, you can win, but it definitely helps to have the, the one Emmer call. There was one male, male that made top eight over the three top eights this week. And I was actually going through the numbers because I haven't been paying too much attention to what's going on in modern. And there was 12, 12 different decks. If you take the the you know the 24 list that made top eight, you've got I counted 12 different archetypes. You had Blue White Control and Rhino that were the most represented at four each. And after that, it was a bunch of decks that, you know, one or two copies. There was Comeback of Bring to Light, a couple of Bring to Light decks. There was a new archetype, Stoneforge Mystic, Blood Moon, kind of prison-ish deck that actually won one of the challenges. And... Uh, Top four to another, or it won the the premier event. No, it did. I think it won the Saturday challenge. Yeah. It oh won yeah, the Saturday my challenge. bad. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I saw the list and then I saw. Yeah. So it's basically Blood Moon, the Fairy Time Raveler. That's Fury of Stoneforge Mystic. So it's Jeskai Stoneforge with four Chalice of the Void and four Blood Moon in the main deck. So that was something a little new. You also had. Sodak, who did really well, he won a challenge and he came in ninth and another one was Charvilcher. He also beat a bunch of blue-white decks, which used to be a bad matchup, but I guess no one plays Force of Negation anymore. Yeah, even my blue-white list. That's one thing I was surprised by. You talk about Memory, Delusion, Solitude. You know, my blue-white list wasn't playing any forces. And uh, I mean, it's kind of obvious why. Lo loads of creature-based threats. And also I feel like, uh, what is it? It's so easy to play around Force now with uh, Cascade, being able to Cascade on your turn as well as you have to Ferry. I feel like you just don't really need Force. And obviously Sodek has identified this and clearly punished people for it. Yeah, I, I, it's kind of weird because Force has been such, such a staple, such a strong card, and now it's just totally gone from every list. Is it just kind of a, how do you say... A, a beehive effect, mine hive that people stop playing. Maybe it's is it is it a price thing? 
Is it just people who have re rental accounts that can't rent all the cards and can't rent? I know you've had issues sometimes getting organizations, <laughs> right? Well, you say that, but I mean, Benny R's list is 962 tickets, so that's already higher than the base gold on Mana Traders. Okay. So I wouldn't say Benny is on a budget. If we look at Wafo, he came 11th on Saturday with his Azorius Blink deck. Yeah. That has no forces in the main, two forces in the sideboard. Um... I mean, I per I personally am down on Force of Negation because I just don't like I I don't even really want Force against Hammer Time, really, because I feel like um, I think I might have even I don't know. I mean, you have way better answers. I mean, Solitude really is your Force of Negation right now. Yeah, I guess you have you have Solitude and you have everyone's playing just a bunch of prismatic endings too to to get rid of maybe a turn to Ren or the the chalice and whatnot, I guess, annoying cards. Not a ton of hammer time. You keep talking about hammer time. Only one yeah. copy. Have, have you felt the deck still strong when you've played it? Well, you I mean... If you do well in your leagues? I've played four leagues over the past month, and I've minimum played against it once per league. And, okay. Um, I felt that it's... Very popular leagues. I was watching Aspiring Spike play today. He played it twice in the, the four matches I I watched him play. So I feel like it's very popular in leagues. I mean, um, obviously that doesn't really reflect too much on challenges, but I, I personally believe that it's it's what you want to be playing right now. A lot of people, um, I think we should also kind of mention, is GP Las Vegas is, is uh, less than a month away now, right? I think it's the 19th to the 21st of November. Yeah, it's, it's, not, a, it's not exactly a GP, but there is two main events. The one is limited, I believe, and right. one is modern. Oh, okay. I haven't looked too much into it, but that makes sense. So people have been asking me, and I've been saying play, play Hammer Time, because I, th I think that Hammer Time is where you want to be. It's a deck that has um, a lot of turn two slash turn three, not, inst not wins, like insta wins, but like, you know, if your opponent doesn't have a good combination of cards, they, they just lose on the next turn. So that's why I really like the deck, as well as I found that even though people are hating against it, I still get a lot of wins, as well as it's it's not just like a cheesy combo deck like, let's say, Neoform. I feel yeah. like you have a lot more decision-making. Uh, not saying Neoform is, is like a brain-dead deck, but like I feel like Hammer Time rewards experience and a good understanding of the deck. Like, I've played... Uh, like around five leagues of the deck now, and I still haven't done better than three two. But almost every league, I felt like this is at le like minimum a four one. If if I actually knew what I was doing, yeah. like I really really like the deck, and I, I am surprised. But you know, fourth place, Juju Bean. I'm trying to see. Yeah, this is just a stock list. I feel like everyone is like slowly, um, what is it? Kind of drifting into what's? Oh, I keep forgetting the gent's name. Is it La Lapsland? Lafligan, yeah, I was gonna talk, yeah, talk about Lafligan because we talked about them before, and it felt like maybe Hammer Time was just super, super skill dependent deck because they kept top hating the challenges over. You know, if you see the same that the same players top eight, you know, every other weekend or every weekend, you gotta wonder maybe, maybe you know, there's just a lot of play to the deck and there's a lot of edge to be gained. Yeah, definitely. And I actually played the Hammer Time Mirror against them um, 
and I obviously got crushed 2-0. <laughs> it, it was it was definitely like <laughs> we have both the same cards, but one person is using them better than the other kind of thing. I actually think what's interesting is the most hard decision with hammer time is do I put Lurus into hand this turn or do I like cast two mana worth of stuff? Because yeah. um you get into these really awkward spots against like creature decks where they can cr- you know, get a board wide enough where they get, like, chum blockers and stuff. It's always so confusing if you want to take the turn off to Luris, and maybe you're playing it's a discard deck or a control, you know, a control deck. So yeah. I really, really, li- like, I found, like, Hammer Time, I was never really in the same spot. I feel like you have to play it for so long before you start thinking, oh, I've been in this spot before. Because, you know, I feel like with control, that's really easy to be in the same spot twice, whereas Hammer Time, I, I doubt I've been in the same spot many times. Yeah, I like that you mentioned that because from the control side, you know, from playing against the deck and against Lurus, now that you mentioned it, I remember being in many times that spot where they have the choice between playing a bunch of spells or putting Lurus in their hand. And a lot of the time, I feel like if they would put Lurus in their, their hand, it would make my life kind of miserable. But they decide to just play a bunch of cards instead. And I'm happy about it, or maybe you know the other way around. So that makes sense that you had that experience of not really knowing when to put Loris, when not to put Loris in your hand, and that being one of the toughest decisions in the deck. Yeah, I kind of just came to the conclusion that if it's mana efficient to put Loris into hand, it's probably the better decision, depending on the opponent's life, obviously. But yeah. I mean, still. I'm I'm very lost on that that specific um, case. So I mean, maybe if anyone listening is a Hammer Time expert, please give us some some feedback. But uh, yeah, I, I definitely don't know what to do. But um, another kind of I guess deck that I keep seeing going around, and it's one that I see a lot on Twitter, specifically from Doomwick. I guess if I want to say from who is this Crashing Footfalls deck? I feel like this is the one deck in modern the uh, Team of Rhinos Cascade deck that they don't have a, a true build yet. I constantly see people playing with Murktide, without Murktide, with Season Pyromancer, without Season Pyromancer. I mean, this one here in 8th place on the Saturday has Cryptic Commands in it. You know, I feel like people don't know what they're meant to be doing. I guess I should read... Oh, no, they're both in the... They both lost the quarters. Okay. One has Cryptic, one doesn't. I mean... This deck, I feel like, is constantly being tuned and people really don't know how to build it. But I actually personally haven't really played it against played against it that much in leagues. Um, just because I feel like, I don't know, I mean, I'm not really a fan of this deck. I thought, I think that I would rather play Living End than I would uh, the Footfalls deck. Because I feel like the the poor draws are really, really poor. Whereas the living end deck, you cycle into your living end. I, I I don't know. Have you have you ever actually played the Rhinos deck? I'm not even sure you've you've even played with it. I've played a league or two, maybe even a challenge or two, and decided it was average, you know. But people have been championing the deck, and it always it always does well. It had it had four copies out of 24 players in the top eight, so maybe it's just more played. Yeah, but deck's just super solid. Yeah. I do feel like I have a decent matchup with it, whether it's with blue-white control with a bunch of chalice or when I play Living End, I feel advantaged against the straight teamer version. 
the deck you're talking about, though, I'm staring at the list. It has the fairy, it has Yurion. Yurion doesn't seem that great in the deck. You're not blinking a ton. Mm. You're blinking Omnath, Fury, Solitude, and that's about it. Teferi, I guess. So I guess you don't mind going up to 80 cards because you don't really want crashing footfalls in your opening hand. You're playing a Cascade deck anyways. So why not? But that list does not make a ton of sense to me. Uh, it's his Doomwakes list. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I, I did look at it and was a bit confused, but... <laughs> he seems to be doing well. I guess the idea is that you're you're getting access to ardent plea, so I'm assuming that the math checks out and that you're you have the same odds to to draw a cascade spell. Yeah. Yeah, you do cuz for yeah, I'm pretty sure you do. And then you get access to Teferi, Time Raveler and Omnath and Solitude. Seems okay. Yeah, but I guess when is what is Yorion exactly good against? I'm not really sure. Just grindy, I, grindy games. Yeah, just when you have nothing to do. Yeah, mm, seems okay. Wait, he's playing Teamer Ascendancy creatures. I think that's kind of the. I think that's kind of the flex slot. I've seen that. I've seen Prismari Command. Wow, Teamer Ascendancy. <laughs> creatures you control have. It's an enchantment that says creatures you control have haste. Whenever a creature with power four or greater ETBs, draw a card. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that makes sense with Yorion. You flicker Bone Crusher. Nah, I mean, pfft, I mean that's not okay. <laughs> I mean, I say that makes sense. I mean, yeah, okay, that works. <laughs> We're talking about an eight mana combo to draw a card here in Modern A. Eh? Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that. Okay, I mean, Doomwake's doing his thing. He he claims that he's dominating with it, so I'll, I'll just let him continue to do that and wait until it does well in the challenge. <laughs> I, I can't lie. Um, Didn't oh, it wait. do well in the challenge? I think it put like two copies in the challenge this weekend. It makes sense to have Yorion because of the mana with Omnath. I only just yeah, realized. Yeah, yeah, sure. Oh, but... okay. Is that the reason <laughs> to? I mean, surely you you get some like pretty weird opening hands and maybe more mana issues and whatnot than you would with a normal deck. Yeah, my my opinion still stands. I'll I'll wait. I'll wait and see. Actually, I'm seeing that the deck may top it, but no, the the ones that made top it was uh, Stainerson who made top it, but he was playing a, a value, just kind of four color value, your young build. Was Endurance main deck, Ice Fang Cottle is back, Omnath Solitude, so Stone Yurion midrange pile, four Ephemerate to go with a bunch of commands to place, two Witness, four Solitude, two Furies, kind of a, yeah, it's kind of like the Elemental decks, but an 80 card deck with, uh, yeah, just four color midrange, four iteration, four prismatic ending, just four color good stuff. The amount of times we've said Solitude in the past, like, 25 minutes, I'm surprised that Death Shadow managed to top eight on Saturday. <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah, it was Death Shadow. Yeah, Solitude's, like, 70 ticks or something. Is it? It's, it's absurd. Something ridiculous, yeah. Oh, my God. How much is it on paper? Let me quickly check Card Market, the sponsor of the podcast. How much <laughs> is Solitude on Hashtag paper? Hashtag sponsored. Another another discussion uh, I've seen, and that was Zach Allen bringing it up, is do you want to play blue-white control in your very first event 
back at, you know, playing paper, because you were talking about people asking you what to play in Vegas. And with blue-white control, doing so well, it can be tempting. But you really want to get in, uh, you know, some mirror matches or against people who are not used to playing fast and you're just playing a control deck and you're just risk picking up a bunch of draws. So that could be really scary. I mean, if you want to play blue-white in paper, you've got to play 40... 40- a 51 euro price trend on card market for one solid English solitude. So I don't even know if you want to play like control in paper. It's literally 150 euros just for three solitudes. Yeah, I mean, every card is just. That is insane. So, I yeah. Think, I think I would just go hammer time, though, if I was going to Vegas, not only because of. Um, uh, what is it? Not only because of the fact that I don't want to play control in my first event, but I think that people are going to mess up with triggers as well as a reminder. Anyone going to Vegas, anyone playing a paper, you have to reveal your companion in all three games. <laughs> How many people do you think are going to go Vegas, reveal their companion game one, game two? They're going to be like, okay, land, go. And then like they'll try and put their companion to hand. You'll be like, well, you didn't reveal it, buddy. Damn, that's so, true. When you think about it, there's just so many cards that you've never played with in paper. I've never, I've never played with a companion in paper. Yeah. Oh, or you know what? I actually messed up a ton. I know this. I know this kind of doesn't count. But um, what was it? The PT, the Pioneer PT that you played in. Yeah. Um, I was gonna play the main event, Mono Red. This was back in the big red days in Pioneer. I kept forgetting Bone Crusher Giant in the Adventure Zone. So anyone. <laughs> Who's playing with um, Team of Rhinos? You gotta remember that Bone Crusher Giant, that Brazen Borrower. I kept forgetting because it's like on Magic Online, it constantly like pops up when like a when like a turn passes or something. It'll yeah. constantly pop up the Exile Zone. Nah, don't do that on paper, buddy. So I feel like people are gonna forget about that companion. What else is something that people would forget? Uh, I don't know about forget, but I'd be scared maybe to bring Blue Light Control in and. Open field was maybe not as narrow of a metagame you can find online, and yeah, that that could be a, a little scary too. Yeah, defo that yeah that to me makes me insanely afraid to play paper. Um, yeah, yeah, I actually oh, haven't t- talked to anyone about it. People who've been playing paper again, uh, you know, kind of locally as in how the experience was of actually, you know, slaying the cards, casting, tapping your lands and all that stuff. I don't know, just in general, the pace of play, the the, the sloppiness right now, etc. To be fair, I did go to a pre-release and massively like mess up what war, Ward was. I didn't know how Ward worked. Well, yeah. for some reason, I read it. So like I had a card. It was like a it was like a rare or something, and it was a flyer, and had Ward discard a card, and mm-hmm. I read it as when someone casts a spell that targets this creature, you can pay the Ward cost to counter it. Oh. Yeah, yeah, so, um, like, I just, like, I was like, yep. I was thinking this is insane, because just discard a card to counter spell. So I was like, yep, discard a card, counter spell. <laughs> discard a card, counter spell. I mean, it, it didn't matter, like, I only cast it like, twice, 
But yeah, I did think that was pretty insane that I could just any freak out a spell. Freak out a spell. So a creature that has ward one, you can pay one cardinal death to give it kind of tax proof. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was so bad. It was so I felt so bad when I I don't even know how I found out. Did you get someone? Did you did you go like just start a card counter your protect my creature? And you didn't didn't realize? No, no. Yeah, and 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 I won the pre-release. And I won the pre-release. Hashtag Harry Strats. I genuinely, I mean, the thing is, right? It's because they're meant to discard a card, right? Yeah. Instead, yeah. So, I think I should have won anyways, but I do genuinely <laughs> feel really, really bad. But like, um, yeah, I was playing against someone who said they only play Commander, so yeah. that's why. They also missed a load of triggers that I reminded them of, so I don't feel as bad. But uh, yeah, that was that was quite awkward. I am blushing. <laughs> Own up to my sins. Okay. Um, is there anything else interesting in modern that we should touch up on? I think we we talked kind of about the the new decks, the the newish lists, mm. people innovating a bit, and um, I uh, I have been I was I was busy watching a lot of Dota last week. And uh, <laughs> when I did start playing again, modern. Have you have you had fun playing that 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 league was blue white modern? Um, seems, I guess I don't know. To say I had fun would be an exaggeration. I mean, it doesn't help that I'm feeling quite sick yeah. to play a control deck. But um, uh, was it fun? Actually, you know what? Yes, because I feel like for the first time in a while. My control cards are not doing the same thing every time. Like I mentioned, you know, Archmage's Charm. It yeah. started off as just three mana divination at instant speed. But now I feel like my charm, I'm like almost uh, each mode I'm choosing like 33% of the time, I would feel. Because there's a, a lot of high impact one drops. Whereas in the past, what were we really stealing at one mana? Like a Death Shadow kind of thing. Whereas now you have Dragon Rage Chandler, Ragavan, um, Hammer stuff. So... Yeah. I really do like how I feel like you have more decisions as well as um, spreading seasons of fun card to play with, to be fair. I guess the only last thing that I want to say is in the top eight on the Sunday, we have a Patreon. I think we should uh, think it's our responsibility to shout out Penser. They have been absolutely grinding with questions in the Discord. So I see a correlation here, eh? They joined the Patreon Discord. They top eight the modern challenge. Not not trying to drop too many hints, but those listening, if you do join the Patreon, you get access to the Patreon Discord. Can talk to Pat, Penser, yeah. me, sometimes me and Gab. To, uh, to, to be fair, to be fair, they've, they've been playing and working on Blue Red Murktide. They, they were winning before us, and it is true. Pat is uh, he doesn't play a ton, but as far as Blue Red Murktide goes, I guess we're a decent resource. Pat's played the deck a ton. I've played the deck a bit. You as well, so. Maybe not for every archetype, though. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> maybe not. But it definitely does help that Pat is a Brewer Murktide uh, beast. I mean, to be fair, I've seen Pat reply to Discord messages like 2 a.m. I'm like, what the heck? Like, Pat is proper in the in the uh, Patreon Discord. But I think that definitely is modern for us this week. And you had some historic to get yeah, into, historic and standard. There was the standard open this weekend, the arena open. That's a tournament where you play day one. You get to play either best of one or best of three. You have to get to a certain run of win. If you play best of three, you have to go four and zero. Oh. 
if you play best of one, you have to get seven wins before you get your third loss. So it's usually a bit easier to qualify playing best of one, but that's also reflecting in the prizes. I think the prizes are a bit better if you make it further in best of three. Anyways, play that day two, best of three for everyone. And it's pretty simple. If you make it to six wins before you get two losses, you get $1,000. If you make it to seven wins before you get your second loss, you get $2,000. And um, I tried my luck. I tried a bit of Grixis Lear. I tried a bit of Monogreen. I had a little mono I too. I think I tried six times and didn't make it. I've been... Not doing so great in these opens. I, I haven't played them all, but I've not made day two a few times. And I made day two. The few times I made day two, uh, I didn't do well. The last time I literally forgot to sign up. Uh, so that was not great. It was actually one of the times I was feeling pretty confident. It was when I was going to play John Food and Historic. So that kind of sucks. But I didn't feel, feel like I saw a super trend on Twitter as to what the, did well. but. It seems like Monogreen and Monowhite are the two best decks in standard right now. They keep posting the highest win percentage. Uh, Blue-Red is still not doing so great, so it was interesting to see. You know, I, I keep thinking every time I see standard results, I keep thinking back to Worlds and how we thought Monogreen was going to be the best deck, and it would be foolish to just show up with Blue-Red, but then a lot of people showed up with Blue-Red and Monogreen did poorly. And, you know, is it because the people who showed up with Blue Red were really ready for green? Did the green players just have a really bad weekend, really bad luck? Because you would assume that people would kind of copy the world's list so that you should see the same trend, right? You should see green doing poorly. And um, I'm still a bit, a bit confused about standard, haven't played a ton. Don't plan on playing a ton. My next big event is Arena Championship in December. That's historic. There's also a historic open. Uh, not this weekend, but next one. So I've been playing that figured that... Uh, oh, no, no, sorry. Not a, an open, a qualifier. So I figured people would be interested in some historic, you know, maybe some people trying to qualify. And um, yeah, I've been, I've been playing. I've been playing some blue-white control a lot. I played a bit of Bard class. I played a bit of Neoform. These are kind of two pet decks of mine, I guess, that I'll go back to once in a while and play a bit. And yeah, they're still like kind of mediocre, you know. Have you have you have you looked at any standard or any historic Harry? I can't lie. I'm actually uh, happy with myself that I did watch some worlds. I did, and actually, I wasn't there last week, so I don't know if you guys talked about view count. But I swear Magic was doing really good with view count at Worlds. I think it was like 40, 50K mm -hmm. when I was tuning in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was 15, 20 on the first day or two. Maybe maybe the numbers were already going up on the Saturday. On Sunday, had that kind of the old Pro Tour numbers. Mm. Like a good Sunday for the Pro Tour would be over 40K. And yeah, no, it, it was good to see. I mean, it was Worlds. It was a big event. It was... A newish standard. There was just I thought the the casters, you know, the, the coverage was pretty decent. There weren't too many, you know, very poor quality streams. There weren't the uh, I didn't see any games where they just skipped to game three, you know, and you got spoilers. So that no, was it was a good event. Yeah, we did talk about it. 
Yeah, the only the only thing I had I had was um I had uh what is it? An essay due. And I was like, yeah. you know what's good to get off of my essay is to watch some worlds to procrastinate. Tune in and I'm waiting. And I wait 25 minutes and I'm just like I was didn't see any gameplay. So I was like, okay, I'm going back to my work. <laughs> I'm uh, going back to my work. Yeah, that's that's been a, a recurring complaint, and apparently it wasn't much better for Worlds that they struggle to show a lot of games, and there's still a lot of, you know, kind of in between content or maybe too much too much ads. We also touched a bit uh, last week. You weren't here, but there was the the whole like Twitch Twitch leaks, uh, you know, the what streamers make being revealed and oh. <laughs> And there was also we talked about covered Goblu's video of how he how he's been crushing on YouTube and making a lot of money on YouTube compared to Twitch. Yeah, and I didn't know Covert Goblu did that. What he like exposed his finances? Yeah, he he had he gets he's the biggest Magic streamer. He gets sixty to eighty k, you know, sixty eighty k views per video per day, which is kind of nuts. I had no idea. Even though right. I, you know, I had heard he was the biggest YouTuber, ma- biggest Magic YouTuber, and he makes, he's been making like thirty thousand dollar a month with YouTube, mm. and I don't know how much he streams on Twitch, but he, you know, he makes a tenth of that on Twitch, basically. Yeah. Okay. Ooh, are you, I are can you expose my YouTube finances here. Are you surprised? That, are you surprised that? No. I was kind of shocked that someone doing Magic content could be getting this many views i didn't Uh, even know there was the potential honestly i make i make about i think well i've i haven't uploaded youtube in two months but i make about 10 10 to 15 dollars per thousand views so you can compare that to covert go blue but that's generally how much i make okay so like on a video with ten thousand views i'd make about 100 bucks depending the problem is it's like it's down to the content of the video because um yeah. uh what is it sometimes like people won't watch a lot of the video so i think it's like a good video of mine is a two-hour video and in that two-hour video someone on average watches 20 to 22 minutes that'll make 15 bucks a thousand yeah. but sometimes like if i get a, a video where they watch like 16 minutes of two hours i'd only get like eight to ten dollars per thousand um and it's all down to like i don't even know i mean it's down to like who sees ads and stuff but um uh what is it what's interesting for me is that the more viral my videos go the less i make per thousand so i think like my most popular video is thirty thousand views and i think i only made like eight bucks per thousand or something something like this yeah, I mean those numbers kind of check out. If you you say like basically ten bucks per thousand views, that means yeah, Cover Your Blue makes like eight eight hundred bucks per video times thirty. That's yeah, um, you know twenty four thousand. So maybe he makes a bit more or whatnot. Did he did he count sponsorships in that? Do you know? I think it was just YouTube revenues. Right, because like uh, what is it? I don't know who, who his sponsors are, but his sponsors will most likely pay a, around the same. Like they'll look at his average views per month and they'll be like, okay, we'll give you like 10, 20 bucks per thousand. What's interesting is that sponsors will pay you more than YouTube pays you most of the time. I've heard, I've heard that there's uh, like 
sponsors that pay like 25 bucks per thousand because the idea is that they're uh, sponsoring to like the raw viewer that they want to target to rather than pay YouTube and only be like a sort of a random viewer in, in the category that you're interested in promoting to. So I feel like he's probably making more like 40, he's probably making like 45 thousand a month i would guess from sponsorships if he if he if he has big sponsors i have no clue he's sponsored by yeah no yeah and i, I saw that i was been you know i've been wanting to talk to you about it didn't really have time but you know like maybe starting getting more serious about youtube because it's kind of crazy and i was looking at my numbers i on youtube i don't get a ton of views but i was looking at my vods on twitch and mm -hmm. i get i get way more people um Oh, that's because VODs on Twitch count live views. Oh, they do? Yeah, that's not people like going to your VODs and clicking them. Okay, that's what I thought, because it yeah. seemed like it was it was like thousands, you know, that makes no sense. Or Twitch is like really bad at monetizing, uh, you know, content and stuff. And it does seem like, because I, I don't even get ads when I watch stuff on YouTube. Uh, I, do you have that blog? Yeah, probably. If you have ad block, it'll block it. But I mean, like in general for YouTube, here's the, here's my biggest tip. Okay. If you look at magic content in general, magic content is so low quality. The one thing that I identified when I, when I see, I came into magic when I was 16, 17 and I was in other games, I come to magic and I'm like, there's literally nothing, nothing to watch. Um, the best you have is like channel fireball, but I feel like there's not personalized content. Everyone's just taking their VODs, cutting yeah. up, like cutting up at best. At best, they're cutting up and ripping it to YouTube. That's yeah. why no one watches it, because why watch a VOD on YouTube when you can go watch a Spiring Spike live and then yeah. actually talk in the chat? So, like, one thing for me is that every YouTube video, I try to have a unique thumbnail, semi-unique title, and an intro. And the intro is what makes it personalized. And uh, uh, that's that's where you get your, like quality from quote unquote but i mean i don't even think my youtube is quality you yeah. know a lot of people think when i talk about youtube i'm being arrogant and saying like oh i'm better than the rest nah i'm a part of the trash i don't think i don't think my content's that good i think that just no one's good so yeah. that makes mine slightly better but mm -hmm. um if you want to improve your youtube i mean the the thing is it, it's actually down to um putting time aside and making personalized content like for example you would do really well if you copied pvddr's uh a kind of structure yeah. of doing these like oh top 10 tips from a professional magic player or if you look at nikachu nikachu's doing like top five cheating scandals whatever and he's getting 100k views of video yeah i saw that yeah he doesn't... yeah what, what if you did like my top 10 coverage moments with Gabriel Nassif and you talk your, you, you know, and your cruel ultimatums at the back or so, you know, at the end, right. Yeah. You could do that. And I think it would do really well. Like my favorite moments on the pro tour with Gabriel yeah. Nassif. Boom. That'd be sick. No, I know there's so much, I think there's so much you can do. And the thing I realized watching, you know, content of other people is that it doesn't even matter if, you talk about the same stuff over and over again. People just just log in, they like find your daily video, and it it, it doesn't. I think it doesn't even matter if you've talked about that stuff like a month ago or two months ago. You know, because there's this. I think there's this 
idea that, oh, how am I going to come up with something new every day? I'm going to run out. Yeah. But worst case, you recycle. And people that they just they, they just enjoy it. You know, they're here. You know, the stuff I like to watch is because the, the people who do it are fun and the way they, yeah. they present it and they talk. And it doesn't even matter, honestly. You're just here to listen to what they have to say. And you'll kind of, as long as, you know, they have energy and it looks good and it'll be, yeah, it'll be fine. I Not think sure. I think you should do something along those lines, and your thumbnail be the Dryad Arbor, and there's like <laughs> an arrow pointing to you, and it's like that's me, <laughs> something like that. Just a feed off of Nikachu's like uh, cheating videos or whatever. But I think honestly, you you have a big market because you're probably one of the most clickbaitable faces in Magic, and uh. That, I mean, look at my look at my channel. I mean, I've used you twice for clickbait, and I've gotten like a plus thirty percent in views. <laughs> oh, Gabriel Nassif texted me a blue white list. You know what I mean? So you just gotta you just gotta find your niche and make personalized content. That's that's my biggest tip, and that goes for anyone listening as well. There's a huge market on YouTube. You can make personalized content and be unique about it. Don't just webcam plus gameplay. Like, make something unique and personalized. And it has to be good quality. It can't just be personalized and, and dog shit, obviously. Uh, and you will do well. That's that's the logic I went with going into YouTube. Yeah, I just don't know if you have the drive to. Yeah. The, the Twitch, the stream is nice. You just log in, you get to chat with people, talk about whatever. And I, I really enjoy it. It doesn't, doesn't feel like a grind, which is, which is nice. I mean... Would you do it for thirty thousand dollars a yeah, month? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's weird, right? I, I obviously I want to make money, but I'm also not like it doesn't motivate me enough to to get wow. on on the grinds. But maybe I say that now, and you know, I mean, I'll probably regret it in ten or twenty years or whatever. To be fair, I was making a lot of money off YouTube as a student, and I've been burnt out, and I've stopped. So I don't, I don't blame you. It's really hard. I, I also think the hardest thing is the, is the um, if you release a video and it has like twenty thousand views, and you're like, oh, the idea is really good. Do the idea again, and then it gets four thousand views. That's the most demotivating thing. I think the last thing I want to comment on the YouTube thing is when I started off YouTube and content like two and a half, three years ago, if I uploaded a video and it got 1,000 views, 1,000, I'd be gassed. I'd be like, mom, yeah. dad, my YouTube video, 1,000 views. Right now, if I upload a YouTube video and it doesn't get 10,000, I'm like, wow, that's a shit video, right? Do you see like, and it's not like an arrogance thing. It's like, it's like a goal thing, right? Because I, I, you know, I, I can... Uh, what is it? I'm so used to getting a thousand views, so used to getting five thousand views over over three years, right? It's now that I want to hit my next goal, and I feel like yeah. you know, I've wasted my time. And that's why, as well as like, um, of course the money is great, but I'm, I mean, there's only so much, uh, what is it, money I can make from something until it's kind of like not not even fun to make money from th something that's not fun anymore. Yeah, yeah I mean, because I, I don't, um. It's re for some reason the magic community hates clickbait, so I try to clickbait without clickbaiting, and then <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, clickbait is so fine in other yeah, communities, they're, but they're too too self righteous, and maybe that's my yeah. problem. Maybe I'm just too kind of a negative bias towards YouTube, and 
it would feel like maybe in my head I'm like, oh, I'm going to be doing that just for the money, and mm. that bothers me. But I mean, that's not true. If it makes people happy, you know, a lot of people watching my videos I mean they just enjoy. It, they look forward to it. And sure, you're not talking with them live like you do on Twitch, but you can still talk in comments or maybe be a bit more active on Discord. Mm -hmm. And I mean, what I did, what I was doing was I was my YouTube videos are all live. So for me, YouTube was like, what is it? A donation to the stream. So like I maximized my time efficiency. So I only mm -hmm. had to spend like 30 minutes editing yeah. on top of it. But um, what is it? I mean, you could you could record your video live. Yeah. So, I mean, if you want to do a vi like you could do a video live so that you have the Twitch chat there to give you like tips or whatever on what um what uh what stuff you should talk about or whatever yeah no i mean i definitely want to talk to you more about it and see if uh, yeah I'm, definitely I'm give it a try but yeah we said awesome. we said we we're gonna talk about standard and i want to talk about blue white i've been playing a lot of blue white i started with a list that had the celestis and the new Teferi, the four mana Teferi. It also had Banlish Partson, which is the, the one-two cycler, the kind of arena unique card that comes back. You can pay two when it's in your graveyard. When you cycle a card, you can pay two and bring it back into play. It's a one-two lifelink, but every time you bring it back, it gets a, a plus one, plus oh, perpetually, kind of that arena mechanic. So first time you bring it back, it's a two-two lifelink. If it dies and you bring it back, it gets a three-two, et cetera, et cetera. And um, kind of ironically, you could say the card, despite being a, a life flanker, cheap creature, is actually better in mid-range matchups and in control matchups because it takes a it takes a while to set up, and while the body is nice, the the card comes into play tapped when you bring it back from your graveyard, so it doesn't block the the turn you bring it back, and it, it's really slow to set up, but um. It kind of got lost. Anyways, started with that list, and I did pretty poorly. I was still in in diamond. I was trying to get to mythic, and it was too clunky. I was playing too many expensive cards and too many weak cards. You know, Celestis is fine, but not amazing. A bit expensive. The new Teferi, as good as it can be, was mindset and Celestis. I think was not just cut was not cutting it. And on top of that, I was playing the Partisans, which is also slow to set up. So that's too much. Then I switched to a list I got from Tyrune, one of my viewers, super streamlined, no more memory lapse because it, it's suspended right now, probably just going to stay suspended and get banned. And instead, they were just playing four portable holds in the main deck, two sensor, two essence scatter, two absorb, four charm, new dual land, really good. I was not sure at first if you were going to want to mix up pathways and new dual lands, because you might miss the, the untapped lands on turn one and two. But after playing a bit, I think just having all real dual lands when you're playing cheap white cards and charm in your deck is is good. So I think you don't want pathways. I think you just want all, uh, you know, Fortress, Farmland, Hallowed Fountain, and then maybe three or four Deserted Beach. So yeah, played this version, starting started winning. I was maybe overall like... 10 and 3 was the deck, and 
it felt good, but I was also losing to the tier one decks. And I was beating, there was still a lot of kind of brews and maybe people making a few game losing mistakes here and there, helping my win rate. So while the list felt better, I, I was still like, not sure it was great. And then today I played a bunch was, I put the parts in back in the deck, but I kept it, you know, kind of lean besides that. I was playing some portable holes. I was playing just one Celestis, no nonsense, no new Teferi. And um, I, I was doing well. The, the parts was actually performing for me in in most matchups. I was, uh, I finally started getting paired against John Food a bit. Did, did good against that. It's still a really small sample, but I think, I think blue white is good. I think I like the partisan over no partisan. And yeah, I'm, I think I'm going to keep playing the deck a bit. What else? Hall of Storm Giant, the new Manland, as good as it is in standard, it's been a little disappointed for me, disappointing for me in, in historic, just not as, not as relevant. The format might be maybe a little too fast, and you don't get in these spots against the green decks. You know, in standard, you can get against these spots in the green against the green deck where you just have that on tap and they can't really attack anymore. And then you get to punish them with memory deluge. So not not convinced. You want I was playing one, it was fine. Um what else? Any anything interesting that's kind of new? Not sure. As we were talking about Mary Deluge earlier, and I guess maybe yeah. I should I should give it another try. Char Charms as amazing as always. You know, you play four copies in Modern, you play four copies in Historic. Um, really like Sensor and Shark Typhoon, and you need the cycling cards to bring back the parts. And anyways, I've been playing one Lonely Sandbar. sandbar. Do you do you play many Wrath effects? Because I I. I liked Hall of the Storm Giant, the Manland, because I was playing three Supreme Verdicts in Modern, and then I found that it was just like normally a two-turn clock from Fetchlands. I guess obviously there's no Fetchlands in Historic, but I found that with loads of Wraths in my deck, the Giant card was pretty good. Yeah, no, you play a lot of Sweepers. I play four right now. I think you need to play four Sweepers minimum. There's just so many creature decks. I think most of the best decks are, are creature-based, whether it's Mono white humans or the various white green decks. The, the sweepers are also solid against John Food and John Sacrifice. You know whether they have Corvold or not. Mm. And I don't think you can get away with less than four sweepers in the main right now. Elves is around, goblins are around. You can even play a fifth one in the sideboard. You know sometimes I like to to try and keep my curve low, and I'd be like, oh, I'll only play three sweepers, and to make up for it, I'll play more cheap removal, but there's just so many games where if you don't have a sweeper in your top 15 cards, it's almost impossible to win. Yeah, that makes sense. No, I'm still like unsure about Hall entirely because of the tap, like tap untapped kind of clause. Um, especially with mana in modern. I mean, I don't want to bring the combo to modern, but I don't think it's like clear cut a good land. I'm just like, I think it's okay and I think it's playable. Yeah, yeah. No, I need to play more, but I haven't been 
It's it's been okay, but Lance coming to play tap when you're trying to to play Teferi on like Charm on Freed and Teferi on five, and even even down the line, you know, turn six you might want to play Teferi on tap to end up Charm mana, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You're also playing four Shark Typhoon, so anytime that Lance coming to play tap, it's one less mana. You know, your sharks are not as big. Maybe you're missing the one mana to cycle and bring back parts and. So, yeah, I guess we can talk a bit about the, the other decks that seem to do well. I've been impressed by, specifically against Blue White, I've been impressed by the Mono Red Madness deck. The deck's just, it pressures you, it has a ton of card advantage. Seasoned Pyromancers, obviously an amazing card. You get the Chandra. I played against someone today who had both Chandras, the kind of Chandra you're used to seeing. I think it's Torch of Defiance. And the, the, the most more recent one, the Fire Artisan. Which kind of does a bit of the same thing. It, it's a plus that reveals the top card you may play, oh, yeah. so you can actually play lands. It's the one that when it loses counters, you can deal damage to an open and no planeswalkers. And it has a minus seven that's I think like you draw seven cards and something, something pretty, pretty powerful ultimate. So yeah, I got paired against that today, and this is just such a grind. You know, I, I even lost a couple games where I was bringing back my partisans and kind of getting value that way, but it didn't matter because they were just casting Pyromancers, getting Chandra's into play, they had Manolins I needed to worry about, that Faithless Looting, discarding Madness spells, and it was just it was just too much. Seth also has been playing Historic, he's been doing well with John Citadel, he's been hyping up that deck. It plays Company, lots of cheap creatures, you don't play Cat Oven because there's no room, you're just playing Elves and Devils, maybe Priest, uh, you're playing the Innkeeper to get that potential turn-free company or Citadel turn earlier. So that deck looks strong. It's always been strong. It's even good in Pioneer, I think. So that makes sense. That deck would be good. I've also seen some Opus deck, whether it's Jeskai or maybe even Grixis. That's still around. You can still play Mizzix Mastery, Opus, even though you don't have Memory Lapse. And uh, you know, down the line, you, you can play a Gearhulk. Anger of the Gods, kind of a good sweeper. You have these white decks playing Red Dane, so Anger of the Gods kind of nice to get around that. Um, the Exile effect can be nice. What what else has has seemed good? Um, just maybe traditional junk food. That was the deck I thought was the strongest a little while ago, before the the new sets and the the lapse uh, suspension. So that deck's still around, pretty popular. I know that Seth was actually got fed up of playing against it, I think, and he started playing our the old uh, Sultai, Sultai Ultimatum deck that we played in the MPL, the, the Brent Voss kind of special, and that deck super farms the, the John deck, so he switched to that, so uh, it's still, you know, still just a few days in, but uh, I, I've been enjoying, you know, Arena's nice to play on. Uh, I got to Messi on the ladder, so that's, you know, it's always fun to try and rank up. And I've enjoyed just playing some blue-white control. Yeah, I mean, if blue-white's playable, maybe I could consider dropping a couple hundred bucks on Arena to play it. Uh... Yeah, I wonder, I wonder how, many, <laughs> how, many cards, how many cards you would need, how much you would need to spend to, to actually get the, the deck on Arena. Do you have, uh, any, do you have any of it? Um, do you have the I, don't know. I know I have every Shockland. Yeah. I have every shock land, every like uh, ETB. If you 
untapped if you control like an island or a plains card, like the Glacial Fortress. I have yeah. all of those. Uh, I stopped. I last played when you played Gruul at an event, like Gruul with Gruul Spellbreaker, Bone Crusher, Innkeeper, and Reed Duke came on the podcast. Whoa, that was a while ago. Yeah, this is literally seven months ago. That's the last time I logged into my arena account. <laughs> seven months ago. What's <laughs> your daily quests? Uh, oh no, I think I logged in a few times because uh, Manguchi told me about a free draft or something. But yeah, they're, they're free. They're free goals some days. You have the daily quests every day. But, I mean, I just you know it takes time. Yeah, even that just takes time. Even that just doesn't feel worth it to me. Like okay, yeah. I can accumulate 20k gold over one year for this one like the one week that you guys want me to play historic like <laughs> i actively don't um... no, no. i mean if you're not enjoying it and you know yeah yeah to it, it's no point in just forcing yourself just for pennies yeah yeah definitely i mean i actively want to play arena i really like the uh the user interface like most of it yeah but um I mean, I don't even have time to play Magic Online right now, really, let alone Arena, so that's kind of why. All right, well, as that probably wraps it up, right, for this week? Yeah, just about can, hour in, pretty good. Can move into our little games. Yeah, yeah. I've been what watching, do you want to start with? Yeah, I've been watching Squid Game, actually. I've got one up of Squid Game left. <laughs> Not, oh, not, everyone uh, keeps telling me. Is that good? I don't know. I guess we have our own Squid Game, right? The Life we, on we the should Line. Sue them. Yeah, we should sue them. Yeah. Well, we, is we, it actually a good show? Because all my friends keep talking about it and spoiling I, stuff. I started watching it and I kept watching it. You know, it's nine episodes, I think, the first season. And I didn't feel like stopping. I was happy to just keep watching. So I wouldn't say it's amazing, but it's okay. good enough to keep me hooked. Would you say it's like the Hunger Games? Um, because that's what people were telling me. I was like, "Oh, what's it about?" Like, oh, Hunger Games. Yeah. And then continue to talk about everyone who died in the show in front well, of me. Maybe I can't. When I heard the synopsis, it made me think of Battle Royale. Have you ever seen that movie? Probably no. not. That it's like, a, I think it's twenty years old or fifteen years old. But it's it's a bunch of Japanese kids who are on an island and. They have to like kill each other to survive. Oh damn! Okay. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll consider watching it. <laughs> but um, okay. So our Squid Game for those new listening, what is, our Squid Game is called Life on the Line. For those new what listening and don't know what it is, it's a theoretical tournament tomorrow. If you win the event, you live. If you lose, you die. Got to bring a deck list from every format we talked about today. Gab, you can choose if you want to talk about standard historic. I won't bother. But in modern, I will bring. Hmm. Um. You know what? I'm gonna bring Belcher because I feel like right now, Ponza is has disappeared, so no one's really playing around Blood Moon. And four Blood Moon seems insane, especially in a deck with loads of rituals. So I'm gonna go with Sodex's first place challenge list because I don't want to die. What about you, Gap? I'm just going to go with Living End. I saw a couple of people placed in the top eight, plus I'm assuming in our Life on the Line tournament, Architect of Will is actually not bugged. And when I target my opponent, I get to pick the order of the cards. So that's a little bonus. And despite that massive disadvantage, you know, people still do well with the deck. Last time I played the deck, I was doing well. Um, 
Yes, I would go with Living End. For, okay, for Standard, yes, I would probably just play Mono Green in an open field. And if you have Deckless, I might go with Grixis Slayer. I do feel like it's kind of rough if you don't know if you're up against Agro Control, when to keep or not to keep a hand, especially against, you know, Margarine Mono White. If you're playing Grixis Lear, you just can't keep a hand that doesn't have a turn to removal spell, especially if you're on the draw, you know, you have to aggress Mulligan pretty aggressively. Yeah. Um, and for Historic, I would probably just play the, the, the blue-white control deck I've been playing with, uh, Banalish Partisan. Okay, okay. Makes sense. Now our next Squid Game-esque mini game it's uh price is right i guess i already spoiled solitude that would have been a pretty solid choice this week um what's another card that we've heavily oh uh, i guess blood moon's a terrible choice we could do what do you want to do i was gonna say season pyromancer because i think it's a mythic and oh okay Ooh, that's tough okay i have a number in my head is it a mythic though I don't even I know. Think it, I mean, it's Modern Horizons 1, though, so even if it's not a Mythic, it can still be worth a lot, right? Yeah. All right, let's do Season Pyro. Let me write down a number. Okay, um, I've got a number in my head. Oh, I can write it down as well. All right, I have a number. Okay. Three, two, one, bang. I have 40 20. euros. 20? Okay. Yeah, I went with 20. I okay. went with 40. Going to Card Market's website, season. I wrote, oh, if my internet could work. See, there it is. Fill load. Oh, average price trend is 30. No, 31 euros. No. So you're closer. Nice. You win. Okay. Wow. I don't. I think I'm yet to win. A price is right. I'm just <laughs> getting absolutely killed every week. You're like these these politicians politicians who have no idea what stuff costs in real life. They'll be like, "How much for?" You know, there's this thing in France. I don't. I mean, I'm sure there's the same thing in every country where they ask a politician how much he thought a croissant was. It's oh, like, you gosh. know, one euro or something. And they were like, I don't know, five euros. Like, just literally had no idea what the most, you know, the traditional, like, super staple cost. I think Bill Gates did one with Ellen DeGeneres. And she did, like, like many groceries. And he yeah. got, I think he got most of them right, to be fair. Yeah, I could see Bill Gates doing, like, shopping for, for his own groceries and whatnot. You know, just kind of actually knowing price of stuff. <laughs> Yeah, but sadly, I am. To be fair, I mean, I just borrow my cards now. I don't think I. When was the last time I bought a card? Like, oh, the last time I got a. Oh, the last time I bought a card was like a sort of feast and famine for like forty five euros. Oof. Oh, it was so painful. It was like there was one left in the hall, and they were like, "I was like, how much is it?" They're like, "Yep, forty five. I was like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> but I still, I've made it to the finals, so right. it was worth it. It was worth it. But um, yeah. Okay, well, I guess that wraps up this episode. Like I said at the beginning, Pat will be hopefully with us next week. We're trying to get more consistent. I guess we, you know, I should clarify, we've been uploading on uh, Thursday for these past few weeks because, uh, you know, schedules haven't been lining up, etc. But, um, yeah. you know, if you did make it this far into the episode, thank you so much. And I guess we'll catch you guys next week.
Yeah. Thank you so much for listening. Take care, everyone.